So, hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Impact Podcast. I am Brent Smith, um, joined by Daniel Yelverton, Pastor Daniel Yelverton, um, Michael Miller, and Pastor Phil Nelson, who is uh, stoically looking out the window, sipping on his hot, steaming <laughs> cup of coffee. I can just He's hear so like a Folgers right commercial now. right now. <laughs> Waiting for like a dog to come up and jump in his lap like a collie. Or something like that. <laughs> oh, uh, oh man, I miss you guys. guys. I miss you a lot. <laughs> but guys, thank you for joining in for another episode of the podcast. Uh, we hope you guys are doing well today. As always, <clears throat> when we're recording this, we are live on Facebook, multiple uh, pages on Facebook. So uh, if you haven't commented already, we would love to see you say hi, comment, say whatever you want to say. Um, keep it PG. Um, we guess that it probably will be. Um, but, uh, yeah. And if you guys have anything you want to join in the conversation, if anything hits you, um, that you feel like you need to share with us while we're talking today, uh, please feel free to send us a comment, chime in. We're always trying to keep an eye on those things and we will, um, read them when we get to them as long as, uh, as long as we can. And then sometimes I apologize, but sometimes, um, Facebook doesn't show us all the comments until the end. So if you get missed, know that sometimes it's because we didn't actually see it until after the fact, but try anyway, please. But, uh, thank you for being here for the podcast today. Um, Thank you guys for being here and joining me today for the podcast. I apologize for being out last week. Um, Daniel and Michael, thank you so much for carrying the podcast last week without me. Um, I, as Daniel explained, I was uh, heading up some construction and some different things that we had going on here at the church uh, as we are trying to get things upgraded and uh, remodeled before we start having people come back into the building um, for services. Um, but guys, we are on uh, 1 Kings 11 today is what we're going to get into, right? Yes. I think so. Yeah. All right. So Daniel, would you please give us context for today's chapter of 1 Kings 11? You know what, Brent? I, I would love to. It would be an honor. Thank you. So <laughs> what we're seeing here in 1 Kings 11 is basically the beginning of the end, but it's going to summarize all of Solomon's reign, basically the last half of his reign in one chapter. And it all kind of falls apart. We see all the things that Solomon has done wrong. All the choices that he's made has kind of had him in, uh, kind of sit, uh, sent his life in a trajectory that doesn't end well. It doesn't end well for the kingdom. Um, it ends up causing a civil war right after his reign. Um, and so, oh, Michael wants to join. And then, um, so anyway, so, but before then, we see some great stuff. Solomon builds the temple. He dedicates the temple. It's amazing the numbers, like the, there's astronomical numbers when it comes to the amount of sacrifices. Uh, even the prayer that Solomon does in First uh, Kings uh, seven is just is just beautiful as he's really just kind of dedicating the temple to the Lord. And uh, oh, sorry, no, it's uh, chapter eight. And so um, it's it's almost like there's so much promise when it comes to Solomon. But I think what happens is is that like most of us, we we end up. Uh, struggling like we can pass the test of suffering sometimes when it comes to dependency on God, but we fail the test of prosperity uh, where we he ends up getting so much wealth, so much power, so much stuff is coming in and so much influence. And that ends up kind of uh, almost probably rising a little bit of self-reliance on him and which turns him away from his dependency on God. And ultimately, which causes just disaster for the nation of Israel and sets it on a trajectory to where both. Uh, the Northern Kingdom, which we'll find out later after Solomon's reign next chapter, so tomorrow, um, eventually gets um, taken over by the Assyrians, and they all go into exile. And then the Southern Kingdom of Judah 
will go into exile to Babylon. And so this is all kind of the beginning of the end, unfortunately, for uh, the nation of Israel, for their kind of, in the ancient nation of Israel, at least, and for the kind of golden age is going to come to an end here, unfortunately. All right. Here's today's reading from the Dwell app. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, You shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. He had seven hundred wives who were princesses and three hundred concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and did not wholly follow the Lord, as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites, on the mountain east of Jerusalem. And so he did for all his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrificed to their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord commanded. Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, Since this has been your practice, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes that I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. Yet, for the sake of David your father, I will not do it in your days, but I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to your son. For the sake of David my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem that I have chosen. And the Lord raised up an adversary against Solomon, Hadad the Edomite. He was of the royal house in Edom. For when David was in Edom, and Joab the commander of the army went up to bury the slain, he struck down every male in Edom. For Joab and all Israel remained there six months until he had cut off every male in Edom. But Hadad fled to Egypt, 
together with certain Edomites of his father's servants, Hadad still being a little child. They set out from Midian and came to Paran and took men with them from Paran and came to Egypt, to Pharaoh king of Egypt, who gave him a house and assigned him an allowance of food and gave him land. And Hadad found great favor in the sight of Pharaoh, so that he gave him in marriage the sister of his own wife, the sister of Tapanes the queen. And the sister of Tapanes bore him Ganubath his son, whom Tapanes weaned in Pharaoh's house, and Ganubath was in Pharaoh's house among the sons of Pharaoh. But when Hadad heard in Egypt that David slept with his fathers and that Joab, the commander of the army, was dead, Hadad said to Pharaoh, Let me depart, that I may go to my own country. But Pharaoh said to him, What have you lacked with me that you are now seeking to go to your own country? And he said to him, Only let me depart. God also raised up as an adversary to him, Reason, the son of Eliada, who had fled from his master Hadadezer, king of Zobah. And he gathered men about him and became leader of a marauding band after the killing by David. And they went to Damascus and lived there and made him king in Damascus. He was an adversary of Israel all the days of Solomon, doing harm as Hadad did. And he loathed Israel and reigned over Syria. Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, an Ephraimite of Zerida, a servant of Solomon, whose mother's name was Zeruiah, a widow, also lifted up his hand against the king. And this was the reason why he lifted up his hand against the king. Solomon built the millow and closed up the breach of the city of David his father. The man Jeroboam was very able and when Solomon saw that the young man was industrious, he gave him charge over all the forced labor of the house of Joseph. And at that time, when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem, the prophet Ahijah the Shilonite found him on the road. Now Ahijah had dressed himself in a new garment, and the two of them were alone in the open country, then Ahijah laid hold of the new garment that was on him and tore it into twelve pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, Take for yourself ten pieces, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I am about to tear the kingdom from the hand of Solomon and will give you ten tribes, but he shall have one tribe for the sake of my servant David, and for the sake of Jerusalem, the city that I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. Because they have forsaken me and worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, 
Chemosh, the god of Moab, and Milcom, the god of the Ammonites. And they have not walked in my ways, doing what is right in my sight, and keeping my statutes and my rules, as David his father did. Nevertheless, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, but I will make him ruler all the days of his life, for the sake of David my servant, whom I chose, who kept my commandments and my statutes. But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand and will give it to you, ten tribes, yet to his son I will give one tribe, that David my servant may always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem, the city where I have chosen to put my name. And I will take you, and you shall reign over all that your soul desires, and you shall be king over Israel. And if you will listen to all that I command you, and will walk in my ways, and do what is right in my eyes by keeping my statutes and my commandments, as David my servant did, I will be with you and will build you a sure house as I built for David, and I will give Israel to you, and I will afflict the offspring of David because of this, but not forever. Solomon sought therefore to kill Jeroboam. But Jeroboam arose and fled into Egypt, to Shishak king of Egypt, and was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. Now the rest of the acts of Solomon, and all that he did, and his wisdom, are they not written in the book of the acts of Solomon? And the time that Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel was forty years, and Solomon slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David his father, and Rehoboam his son reigned in his place. Now at the end when it says, and Solomon slept with his fathers, it means he died and was buried with his fathers. Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, really? <laughs> and... And the Shishak is not a she-shed. It's a name <laughs> of the king of Egypt. And hey, dad, is not something that you say to your father. That's all I can hear Michael, when I'm reading that is my kids my going, hey dad. hey, dad, hey, dad, hey, dad, hey, dad, hey, dad. <laughs> so, guys, uh, that is First Kings 11. Um, yeah, so uh, a lot of stuff going on in there. But um, uh, besides hey, dad's name and a few of the things we just touched on. Uh, hey, dad. Uh, I will actually start because I have a question for you guys, if you know or not. Well, but, apparently um, I can't even read, so I have no way to answer the question. <laughs> um, hey, so, so where uh, where God leaves one, or one kingdom for the son of Solomon, um, I know that it's for David's sake because David was uh, so beloved to God. But is that does that also tie into Jesus, into his heritage where he says he come from the line of David? Does it need to be? A kingly line it does doesn't it so does that point to jesus in a way there yeah yeah it does um so <clears throat> i think that god is always going to be true to his promises 
And you can see that his faithfulness even extends beyond people. Uh, he, he looks back to the faithfulness of people. Like he does that with Abraham. He's doing that with David here, even though his son Solomon is uh, really ruining his opportunity. Um, but he's also a God that is very generous. I mean, he gives uh, Jeroboam literally one of the, the same promise that he gave David about making a lasting dynasty out of him. And Jeroboam totally squanders that opportunity too. I mean, there's mm. literally, if we look ahead to all the rest of the Kings in first and second Kings, there's no good Kings in Israel, no good Kings follow the Lord. Um, and so it's, uh, it, it's definitely, uh, you see one God's generosity of wanting to uh, bring his blessing here, but it's just, it's an opportunity for us to be able to, live in accordance with that and live in obedience with that. Yeah. One thing as a, as a children's minister that I struggle with here <clears throat> is we, we tell kids and sometimes even as adults, we remember these, all these stories as, as these guys are all our heroes. You know what I mean? David and Solomon, look how wise Solomon is and, and how powerful David is. Um, but I wonder if that's the way that we are supposed to take these stories, because like when I look at David, I I see the whole story and I see his fall. You know what I mean? I see I see how he, um, you know, ended up having that that ridiculous sized ego and and how um, that that pride became his fall. You know, and, and I look at and I look at Solomon and I see though he had all this wisdom and he asked for the right things and and he made a lot of really good moves. The moment he falls away from God, things start to slip. You know, he, he starts to value women. He has all these women, all these wives and concubines. We, we see that he, um, you know, obviously he, he values money because we see all the, the riches. And we start seeing also that, like, if I'm not mistaken, you know, as building this um, temple, he starts building his palace and I think his palace was even bigger than the temple. So, I mean, so like, I, I don't know. I, sometimes I think we put these people on a pedestal when we should be looking at the bigger picture and saying, noticing their, noticing their failures. So we can not, so we can avoid their failures. If that makes any sense. I think that's a good point, Michael, but also I think what's great is that, um, God is merciful and graceful and, and gracious as well. Like we see, we know David's failures, but the way that the Lord talks about David in this chapter is not highlighting his failures. He's seeing his heart. He's seeing that he is a servant and he actually is honoring, honoring David even beyond his life. Um, and so I think that there is, I think always opportunities um, to one, leave a, leave a lasting legacy uh, that the Lord can work through, which I think is great as we think about all of us being dads and uh, here and not for the dads that are listening. Uh, hey, happy belated Father's Day to you guys hey, that are listening on the podcast. Yep, yeah. I know. Hey, dad. Hey, dad. <laughs> um, but I think that uh, I, I do think that it is one of those things that uh, it is. I think we can really highlight a lot of the negative stuff, but I think what's great about the Bible is the Bible doesn't sugarcoat people, right? It doesn't ever just list out all the accomplishments and right. then not list out the failures. And so I think that there's a, it's honest in, in its context, but um, I think that there is hope though, that the Lord is going to be gracious and the Lord is going to not just sit there and pound on all of our flaws and all of our faults and all of our miscomings, but he's right. also yeah. going to, um, uh, 
he's going to honor us when we get an opportunity to be obedient and honor him. Well, Daniel, maybe this is a situation where two th things can be true that, yeah. that maybe we can learn from uh, their mistakes. And maybe that is some of the intent for this being written the way that it is, that we can learn from it. But at the same time, I don't think God views us as like our worst moments. Mm. I was reading off some, I think on Facebook somewhere where, someone was talking about how we shouldn't be known by our, our worst moment. Um, and I think that's, that's, I don't think God does that with us either. You know, I think that, I think that God looks as, at us as, as his children, not as, Hey, you did this, this one weak point in your life. You did this one really dumb thing. And so I, I don't think that he's looking at David and Solomon for, for like their worst moments of their life. I think he loves them as children, but yet, we can still learn from from their failure. So I, I guess we can remember both of those things that that God still looks on us with grace, but at the same time, we can learn from people's failures. Well, it's like even when the Lord described Himself, right? When when uh, Moses on Mount Sinai asked the Lord to reveal who he was to him. He announced his character. He announced who he was. And he said that he would forgive the iniquity of thousands, but he would still hold the guilty accountable. Um, yeah. And that's the kind of the duality or the almost seems like it's like um, contradictory nature of God, but that he's able to embody both grace and justice at the same time. And he's, I a, think we, he's a dad. <laughs> yeah. That's what we do. Yeah. He, hey, dad. Um, yeah. But uh, I think what's cool is that, I, I mean, ultimately everything in the Old Testament really points to its completion in Jesus, you know, and so that we see that yeah. even the grace that that uh, God is showing David, it's still pointing ahead to something greater. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that? Good job, Daniel. Yeah. Well, I, he's, I, he's not just good at context. <laughs> Oh, I'm good at not matching. Uh, if you think about this, there's uh, how, how many verses, 43 verses? Mm -hmm. Really, if you think about it, the from verse eight, no, verse nine, all the way to the end is all the consequences of a major decision. Mm -hmm. So the yeah. first eight scriptures are telling us about Solomon's uh shortfall and his shortfall was what his allegiance his heart was divided mm -hmm. it says he loved the lord but he also loved the foreign women and what the foreign women brought into the picture which were worship of gods now in that uh culture is a little different than how we see it in our culture but it's still idols it's still false gods that we give allegiance yeah. to and i just thought it would be interesting um to even look at the three gods real quick and the summaries of that which captured uh solomon's heart so mm. it wasn't even that he was uh devoted to women other than god it was that his heart was divided and we see that even in jesus's teaching he says you can't you, you can't have two masters you can't serve God and love money. You yeah. can't serve God and love the things of this world. And so I really do think that this is very applicable to us today. And so mm. turning from God is all about what are we giving allegiance and devotion to in our lives? Are we allowing God to share that allegiance and devotion? And if we are, there is definitely a slippery slope 
of how our allegiance is going to reap consequences that we're going to sow. And so uh, the god of Astareth was the Canaanite goddess of sex and uh, war. So it was all about sexual love, pleasure, but then it was all about war against those who are against you. Uh, Chemosh or Chemosh, whatever you want to say, but Chemosh is the Moabite God and he was all about destroyer. So they would human give human sacrifice to this Chemosh for him to go and destroy those who are against him. So they would literally sacrifice humans for God, this God, to take vengeance. Then you have Moloch, which is also another Canaanite God. And now it gets even uh, more crazy than just human sacrifice. It's child sacrifice. It's children's sacrifice for what? It was for fire and for war. So for control, justice, vengeance, and self-gain. And so this is what's representing the foreign women that David, or excuse me, Solomon loved. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's some application there for us is we need to be very careful. That's why it says in Romans 12 too, do not uh, conform to the patterns of this world, mm -hmm. but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind is all about what you're devoted to and what you give allegiance to. And so I just think it's interesting that this whole chapter, only eight verses of the 43 are about the sin. The rest is the consequence of that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so. and, I, and I think also the, good. the 700 wives are all wives of royal birth, uh, which is that that's all for political reasons. So yeah. basically what he's trying to do is Solomon is in self-preservation mode. He's trying to preserve his kingdom. And so sure. he is... Uh, he's, he is uh, marrying all these women, um, not so that we can, they can be wives like we would think of them now, that it's really more of just for political power. protection and, and power. Exactly. And so, um, and so that self-preservation that uh, has kind of just blinded him to the stuff that's coming in the back door, basically. Yeah. So it's not yeah. that he necessarily, and it's, it's kind of, it, we don't really know that Solomon necessarily is worshiping. Uh, the other gods per se, but he is building up. Um, he's building up altars for his wives to worship. And so yeah. these are concessions that he's constantly giving, turning a blind eye to the different things that are going on and just allowing it to kind of come in into pollute. And Daniel, real quick, real <clears throat> quick on that. I think that really heeds to the point of application with us is we may not be worshiping false idols, but what are we really opening the doors of our hearts to? Mm -hmm. We may not really be believing all the junk that goes into the media and the movies that we're watching. Okay. But what opens the door mm -hmm. to our heart, even through the stuff we're watching and letting in? What is um, informing us? Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, we may not be worshiping that, but we're, we're, condoning it we're accepting it we're affirming it we're taking it in mm -hmm. so what i think what, what comes through the back door i think that's something that um i struggle with and i think a, a lot of us struggle with is that um we let either a political party or a um a particular belief 
that has that has little to do with Christianity, you know, with little to do with Jesus. I think sometimes we let those things inform us on what to do with Jesus instead of letting Jesus inform us on what to do with politics yeah. and policies. Um, I'm guilty of it. I know a lot of us are guilty of it. And that's something I think that are that those political kind of things, they're not those are I wouldn't call those idols, but anything can become an idol. You know what I mean? Right. Sports can become your idol, you know, so. So I'm not saying that they're gods, but and that they're evil in themselves. But when we let those things inform how we live our lives, instead of letting Jesus inform how we live our lives, I think we get off base, and I think we can let our politics become an idol. Yeah, and I think when we begin to, I think the first um, first step in that direction is when we start to exalt our ourself above God. Um, and that happens, that happens when David and Solomon, yeah, that happens to David, that happens to Solomon, that happens, um, when we get comfortable, that happens, especially with prosperity. Um, it talks about that in, uh, first Timothy chapter six, where it talks about how, um, there's a trap that's ensnared with us, uh, that, uh, caused many, uh, foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction because of, of wealth and what it promises us. You know, because we think about like it can promise protection, it can promise us security, it can promise promise us happiness. And really what we're looking is we're looking for the what's inside of us to be fulfilled. And we're using money as a thing. We're using, you know, relationships, sexual pleasure. We're using right. protection, self-preservation. And all of this is just kind of opening up a doorway because those things that we're supposed to have in our heart to be met through our heavenly father are instead, we're trying to find it to be met elsewhere. And just this pattern of destruction that kind of falls after it. And I love the, uh, the end of the kind of section here in First Timothy 6, it talks about, that uh, for some people craving money has wandered them away from the true, true faith and has pierced themselves with many sorrows. And I think that to me describes the end of Solomon's life. If you read um, Ecclesiastes, which is what Solomon wrote in towards the end of his life, you'll basically see that he has many oh, yeah. sorrows. He's got, it didn't do what he wanted it to do. It didn't, it didn't fulfill what he wanted to fulfill. And ultimately we can, we, we can gain so much wisdom from a man that literally has it all. You know, he, ga- he gained everything that we could probably even possibly imagine even more. I mean, the wealth and stuff that we read about in here is just astronomical. The numbers are ridiculous, he, yeah. you know, and, and the influence and the power and the prosperity that not only he experienced, but also people around him experienced. And it doesn't amount to anything. It, it ends up becoming meaningless and worthless, as Solomon will tell us in, in, uh, in Ecclesiastes. And, and so I think that it's, it, that's a snare that I think we run into because we're, we, have, we're, we live in one of the blessed, most blessed countries in the world, right? I mean, as far as what we're able to live off of, you know, what we're able to provide for our families. Like even through this whole COVID stuff, we're able to go to the grocery store and then talking to Bobby and Brittany Hibbs hearing that families are literally starving because they can't go get food and we can go get food whenever we want to. I can have somebody go into the grocery store, put food in a cart for me. And then they come out to my car and they stick it in my trunk. And I just say, thanks, man. You know, I mean, like, like seriously, like, like think about like all these wonderful things that we have yet. Uh, that is so easily it's it, the they can be those snares they can be the trap doors that can kind of okay so Daniel <clears throat> and not just Daniel but all of us so I think what Daniel's done and, and what Phil and Brent like and I I think what we've we've done so far 
is we've identified the problem, right? We've noticed that like idol worship, and I know that it doesn't sound like we have idol worship, but we do. Like, you know what I mean? These different things in, in, in our lives, it's bad and we have to avoid it. And I know that the, the classic answer is just Jesus in a word, right? But what are some practical ways that we can avoid the idol worship and really plug into you know, a life with Christ to, to, to really let Jesus be our answer? So like we got what we did wrong, but what, how do we do this right? So I talked about it. Um, I've got to leave in just a minute uh, because I've got another Zoom meeting right after this. But Great. So uh, then I'll, I'll be left to answer the, my own question. No, no, no. I, I, did, I talked about this in, um, in, my, uh, in my, my live Facebook um, that I did um, yesterday. Uh, it would be Wednesday for our podcast listeners. Um, and it was Jesus basically saying, I think I'm on the air. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matthew 16, uh, verse 24, Jesus says to his disciples, if anyone wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. What, uh, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, just like Solomon did, but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than a soul? And I think that's about perspective there that I think that, that if we, if we want to follow Jesus, there is something that is innately wrong with us from the beginning, from Adam and Eve's choices, is that we have self that rises up in us and wants to have uh, our way. We want it. We want our way done. We want our rights. We get upset and offended when we have uh, when people wrong us. So we're easily offended. We want our way. We want justice when things not fair. When somebody treats us unfairly, we want justice to be served. And Jesus is counterintuitive if we want to follow Him. It starts with giving up our selfish ways. And there's a trust factor that comes with that because when we deny self in that way, uh, we have to trust God that he will provide the things that we need, but that's what our soul has been created for. And, and so I think that we, I think we genuinely have to ask ourselves, do we believe those words that if we try to hang on to our life that we'll lose it, but if we lose our life for his sake, that we'll actually gain it. Yeah, I think <clears throat> For myself, and I think it's something good for everybody to do from time to time because we all get off track. Like Daniel was saying, we have that self part, you know, we have that fleshly part of ourselves. And um, see you, Daniel. Um, have a fun Zoom meeting after this Zoom meeting. <laughs> but um, I think a good thing for me that I check myself with sometimes when I'm getting off track is um, asking myself, how much do I believe who God is and who Jesus is? Because if you if you can't say, I believe fully that he is who he is, then you don't believe at all. So you have to remind yourself of that again and again. And that's a good way to help kind of jumpstart yourself and kick yourself back onto the same track or the right track is like, wait a minute, if he if I believe and I do that, he's everything that he says that he is and he's proven time and time again that he is who he is then I need to follow what he says and I need to do the things that he says I need to do. So I think that that's a good way. It's kind of a good gauge um, or not a good gauge, but I guess a good, um, good hack almost to just get yourself back on the right track. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, what was, what was the core question, Michael is, is what do we do to prevent that? Yeah. Basically that the, we, we define the problem as, you know, idol worship in general, right? And yeah. how do we avoid it? What what do we do to to not do that? Yeah, three three words came to my mind, and they all start with S. So 
The first one is <laughs> watch it. The first one is, is is seek first. That goes right back to the heart of where your allegiance is. What you're devoted to most is what you will seek first. It is what you will seek first for pleasure, for um, uh, entertainment, for joy and fulfillment, but it will also be what you seek first in times of trouble and trials and tribulations. When things blow up, what do you run to? And so seek first, Christ says in Matthew uh, 6, I think 6, seek for, yeah, 633, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will take care of itself is really kind of what it's saying. So what we seek first tends to show us where our heart is. We see Solomon and so many other people in the Bible with divided hearts and making then really fatal decisions. Um, number two is surrender. So what we seek shows our allegiance and what we're devoted to. What we're devoted to is what we're going to yield to. It's what we're going to sacrifice to. That's why I thought it was interesting that, you know, these foreign women sacrifice to these different gods. So surrender. Are you yielding and giving your life to the God that you're seeking first? And the last S is serving others. So we got seeking God, God first, surrendering to him, and then serving others. Whenever you put others in front of yourself and you begin to serve others, it puts your heart and your perspective in alignment so if you're struggling with turning away from god seek him surrender to him and serve others and uh that's that's just kind of what uh came to mind yeah and uh ronnie piercy on here he said we have to set boundaries for ourselves to keep us from to keep us following jesus we have to do this several times a day Um, absolutely yeah so another s for you steadfast Said yeah, yeah. Absolutely. my thoughts were very similar to yours, Phil. I was thinking a little simpler. I didn't have three, <laughs> but input and output. Yeah, and, and for me, input is the classic study and prayer, um, and output is is taking what you've brought in and, and yeah. to do something with it to actually go do good in this world. Yeah, that's um, Ernie Merrick. He shared on here. He said, "Anything in our day we put above or before Jesus is an idol." He said, I'm guilty lately. That has uh, that has just been made clear with good intentions, feeling like I'm serving the kingdom uh, by working so much at the church. I've put my relationship with the Lord second prayer study and simply making time for him. I've even said to myself, I'll get back to him when we are done until my heart started to suffer. Church can even become an idol, he says. Yep. I, w- I was just Ernie. Amen. I was just going <laughs> to say, isn't it amazing that church itself can be an idol? Yeah. Is when you find you that exalt, out in ministry for sure. Yeah. When yeah. you exalt the work of the ministry or the program of the ministry or something specifically about the church. I know a lot of people, they, they, they gauge their attendance to church. They, 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 they measure their spirituality by church. Right. And that's not it at all. The church represents a gathering that represents people who identify themselves with Jesus Christ. Yeah. The church so, building. Yeah. 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 Great, great insight, Ernie. Oh, Is that like a, like a few weeks ago when we did that series on um, salt, the 23rd song um, on, on, not in this podcast, but on another, another venue 
uh, we talked about how like surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And right, right before that, it talked about how, um, how, how does the verse go about how you anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Like yeah. if, if we, it's good to pour out and have that overflow, that, that cup that runs over. But if we don't fill our cup, Correct. Then we have nothing. We have nothing to pour out. So yeah, let think, alone to overflow. That, that, that can happen. That can happen, Ernie. That, that we can we can definitely pour out and pour out and pour out, and then we don't have anything to pour out anymore because we haven't poured in. Yeah. So good. That's a good word. That's great. Um, so, is there anything else in the chapter for today that you guys want to touch on, or do you think that's that feels like a pretty good place to stop to me? Yeah, I think so. I think we did. I think we covered it. It's yeah. sad. I, I know that. I'm, I'm sorry that our, our our mood seems a bit down than usual. But this is a sad yeah. chapter because, yeah, man, Solomon Solomon is like, he's again, he's one of the good guys, you know. Right. And this this is where we kind of see his fall, and it's it's a sad story. Um, but the good news is, is that the the king that we should be look like the big story, the king that we're looking for isn't David. The king that we're looking for isn't Solomon. We're seeing this trajectory of all the stuff that we've been studying. You know, the, the judges, they, they weren't it. These kings aren't it. The prophets, they aren't it either. Jesus is it. Jesus is the king that we're looking for. So, I mean, mm. to kind of leave this thing on a good note, he came all a hail King years Jesus, ago. right? And, yeah, and the Holy, is. yes, and the Holy Spirit is here with us, you know, so we have that we have God, the King in our very lives. So all this stuff led up to what we actually get to enjoy now. So yeah, yeah chapter 11 is, is some bad news, but the good news is that we can worship King Jesus every day. And I have the Holy spirit living within me every day. And that's, that's the good news. That's yeah. good stuff. Michael, can we capitalize on that energy that you have right now? Can you pray us out with a happy prayer today? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Please. Thank you. Sure thing. Let's pray. Uh, dear Jesus, we do thank you for the day. We thank you for, we thank you for you. We thank you for scripture and that we get to, a chance to, to really dig into some people's flaws sometimes so we can avoid it. We thank you that you've given this to us so we cannot make some of the same mistakes. Lord, I ask that you help us all with our idol worship. Help us to, mm -hmm. to, to not you know, give into that and to, and to give into you. And Father, like I said a second ago, Lord, we are thankful that you are the king. Lord, I thank you that you have saved my soul. And I thank you that your Holy Spirit lives within me and, and that you're not doing that to just me, Lord. You're, you've saved so many. And, and I thank you for what you're doing in, in this world. And Lord, I ask that you would help us here in Lanchester to be a light, to, to reflect your light into the, our community, into our world, uh, that, that we can go and do good things, Lord. So again, we love you. We thank you for all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Phil. I don't know if you guys noticed, but Red Team won. <laughs> we outlasted Daniel, the black shirt. Um, the black sheep? <laughs> sure. Um, but guys, thanks for joining me again today. Uh, Phil, uh, Michael, Daniel, thank you guys so much for being here, part of the conversation. Um, it's always fun. Every week we have a good time on this uh, thing, even through 
technological difficulties that we faced at the beginning. That was crazy. So thank you if you stuck with us this whole time. Thank you for sticking with us today. Um, thank you for sticking with us for the duration of this podcast for the last three years we've been doing it. We know that there's many of you that return every week. So thank you so much for that. Um, we continue to pray that this is a blessing for you guys as it is for us. I mean, I've learned so much through uh, throughout all of this time so far um and hopefully you guys are as well and uh, you're not just learning but you're developing a deeper relationship with jesus as we go along so um guys we just want to say thank you um yeah. and until we talk to you again next week as michael said so eloquently last week when in my place go out there uh be the light to the world let the light and the love of jesus shine through you and um, especially right now in this crazy world we're in, it's really important to love people right now. Okay. So anyway, guys, we love you and we will talk to you next week. Have a good one. See you guys.